This is Doug Loves Minis. Hey, 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 short rounds and Benson burners. My name is Doug, and this is Doug Loves Minis, the show that takes place sometimes in hotel rooms. Uh, what's the name of this hotel, Bert? The Topaz. Do you like it? I, I love it. They don't have a gym, though, but if you ask nicely, they'll put a fucking Stairmaster in your room. What if you ask rudely? Uh, they've done it to me once. They, give they me the still have to do it? One time, yeah. they where, get, do you, where would you put it? They move out your desk and put Stairmaster in the corner. Oh, I'd, I'd like a desk and a Stairmaster, please. They would, they would probably do that move out the couch. Just they that had, they'd have to come in and move around anything. I wouldn't want to put <laughs> anybody to that kind of trouble. Dude, I don't put just let, so I could jog in place in my room. I don't let anyone. They give you yoga mats and they have yoga on the TV. It's really great, but there's no really place to do yoga in here. You'd have to move this table. I'd have to have to move, move everything. This is the table that if a fight scene occurred in this hotel room, this table would be destroyed. <laughs> Someone would crash into it. But for now, it's got my iPhone sitting on it, and uh, let me do the rest of this uh, setup. Um, do you use a fake name when you are at a hotel? Like uh-huh. if somebody called the front desk and asked for you, they'd just get, be able to get through? Yeah. <laughs> now I should start using a fake name. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've just you know it's, it's something to think about when you're on that precipice. But so far nobody's tried to bother me. I don't. I don't also announce where I'm staying. Here's the problem. I, I problem. I'm not staying here at the Topaz. <laughs> I don't. I have problems with intimacy, so I allow people to get much closer than I think anyone would ever allow someone to do. Mm-hmm. Like there was a guy hanging out at the show <coughs> last night, and he was like. He wanted to get me high, but it was I didn't I didn't want to get high with the guy. But he that's what I think he thought was happening. Uh-huh. And he just kept staying and staying and staying. And then finally I walked out and he just walked with me. And I was like, oh, fuck. And he's like, come on, man. And he's like like rubbing his hands a lot. And he was you could tell it was like nervous energy. He's like, come on, let's go drink. Let's go drink. So I was like, all right, let's go drink. So I went and fucking drank. You just went drinking with some guy? Yeah, him and his friend. <coughs> They're like, when's the last time you bought a beer? I was like, I don't know. The other day in the in the airport, <laughs> he was like, "What? Nobody bought it for you, man?" Yeah, he was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You're not buying any beers." And then I ended up <laughs> buying all the beers the whole time. No, you didn't. Yeah, I bought uh, I bought a pitcher of uh, Stella Artois that was twenty five dollars. Where were we that first night? What was that place called? Uh, I don't know. But that's where the girl recognized you. Replay. I don't. Was it Repose? Oh. That says a lot about me. I can remember the name of the strip clubs next door, but not the name of the place. Parlay! Parlay. Parlay. Yeah. That's um, it. Are you on blood pressure medicine yet? Mm-mm. What was I just looking for? Um, no, I, I definitely don't remember that night. That night was a fucking clusterfuck. Those, these cleanse drinks I'm drinking, the tequila and soda, get you... Like, they don't fuck... You're not drunk until all of a sudden you're fucking hammered. Like, I, I'm, I'm starting to think... Drink that, like, whole drinks of tequila and soda? Yeah. What ninety percent soda and ten percent tequila? I or? think I think the club I think the club is giving me lots of extra soda. tequila. Lots no. of soda. Oh, because I drink them on stage, and I don't. I have had like four last night throughout all the shows. I didn't feel a buzz at all, and then I go and I have one beer with that guy, and I'm fucking blitzed. And I was like, I gotta go fucking home. Oh, it was like three in the morning, and then I had to do voiceover. I got home and did voiceover at three in the morning. I want to post that as a podcast. My voiceover. Is so much funnier when I've been drinking and I and it's like la- last minute voiceover like pickups because I can't read real well and it just is it, and then I just get fucking angry and I start going motherfucker and I'm talking to the editor and my producer I'm talking to them so I'm basically live podcasting 
doing a solo podcast where I have to read lines. <clears throat> it's only happened twice that I've had to do it when I was drinking. It's always like, right, the show's about to air, and they're like, they need it now. Right. Yeah, and they, and they can edit it. You just have to get through each sentence Yeah. Uh, at least once. Uh, it's Saturday, June, let's call it the 13th. Is it? I think so. 2015. Having a great weekend here at the TC Improv, as you've already probably noted from us uh, talking about two nights of drinking. <laughs> but last night I uh, I did a lot of dabs and some a lot of other things and uh, had some drinks. And so by the time you were almost done in that second show, I was I was done and I just walked home, walked back to my hotel, and passed out. And then. Um, you were visibly hammered in the green room, and then when you came on stage with me, you were totally sober. <laughs> like, you were a little uh, buzzed. I could see a little buzz, but I didn't see what, like, I didn't see that you were as drunk as you were when we were hanging out for real. Yeah, but I don't know how drunk I was, really. It was, uh, obviously, if I, I remembered the whole night, so I never got to blackout stage, and, yeah. I, and I got home pretty okay, not not too late, but, uh... I knew I'd. I knew like I hate being hungover for like I went to a matinee of Jurassic World today. Did you and, really? Yeah, and I'd be like so bummed out if I had to sit through that movie hungover. Someone texted me that my daughters would love it. Uh, it's your lot. Do your daughters like a really high body count of innocent victims? Whoever told you that is an idiot. Not at it is more people die in this Jurassic Park than any oh. of the others. Oh no, that would fucking ruin It's absolutely their day. terrifying. And every time somebody's scared by a dinosaur, a bigger one comes along. Like it's all about <laughs> it's all about fuck? bigger, scarier dinosaurs. Someone tweeted me, dude, you and your daughters are gonna love Jurassic World. And I was like, Oh, in my head I was like, note to self. And when I'm in a pinch and I want to spend the day with them and I want to need to take them to a movie, Jurassic World. Well, what do you think about PG-13 in general? Because I think oh, you a gotta, lot of them are too violent. A lot. Too, way too violent. And then you got to be... You gotta be 15 in order to see PG 13. They still haven't seen a scary movie. That's the movie. trick. PG 13 exists so that big movie studios can make really violent movies and just skirt some of the. Like in the case of a Jurassic Park, you just. A lot of the deaths are kind of off screen or, you know. Uh, there's, there's, uh, you, they cut before somebody starts to bleed, you know, yeah. like a guy will be eaten in two, but like he's not bleeding yet. I never thought so of that. So if there's no blood, and then tons of dinosaurs die in this one, dinosaurs get fucked oh up. Oh my god, my daughter's be on it's, the fucking it's, floor. It's brutal. It's really brutal. But it's also. <laughs> Your daughter's into a high body count? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was, I was, as I was watching, I was like, it's amazing how many people get killed in this one, and yet. The story kind of moves forward without ever anybody stopping and going, oh my god, so many people have died. Like, they just sort of... <laughs> no, it's they just sort like, of we've lost on. everyone! Yeah, no, they're very much just want to save their own hides, and there's scenes where, like, there should be mayhem, and people should be really upset, and they're all just kind of sitting around, like, well, it's gonna... You go to Jurassic World, this might happen. <laughs> you know, you might... The dinosaurs might get out and eat a bunch of us, you so know? So the prime premise is that there's, they go to, like, a, a sea world. Yeah, but it's on a private island, so when shit goes down, it's hard to evacuate everybody. Oh. But they still there's for a movie where there's dinosaurs loose and there's thousands of people there. Yeah. most of the scenes are watching two or three people deal with dinosaurs because you find you know they they find certain characters that you're uh, involved with and f sort of follow their stories. They go off. So like during the course of it, I was always like, well, what? Why? <laughs> Why is 
isn't it? Would it be more interesting to see the you know tons of dinosaurs attacking tons of people instead of going off with just these two or three characters? Yeah. You know, and waiting for another dinosaur to find them, like a big wide shot know? of just. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, it's like there's there's this uh, the you know the trailer gives it away that the you know that there's fucking pterodactyls just flying into the crowd and picking people up and just throwing them and stuff. It's amazing that movies skirt around the how traumatic watching someone die is. Mm-hmm. That people watch people die and they're not just like fucking sitting there like what the fuck? I saw a dude die in a in an elevator when I was in my freshman year in college. A, uh, I think he was a senator or like a congressman. We all got in we were at the state of the union, me and my buddy Jeff, and we were in the elevator and the guy had a heart attack in the elevator. I went and I, I mean, I was like, what's amazing is I didn't move. I just stood there like, like fucking. What are you guys supposed to do? I, I just stood there and I was like, and then I couldn't stop thinking about it for the rest of the night. Like I couldn't like right my boat. So I was like, I just watched someone fucking leave this earth. But he, so he, by the time they got to the floor you were headed to, we're he was in, dead? When we were in, the, he was on the ground and they're down and he's, they're going for a pulse. And he's like, I'm not getting anything. Get, call 911, call 911. And I was like. Holy fuck. Like, he had a and massive like, heart attack. And then it's like, ding, and you're like, well, I gotta go. I'm gonna <laughs> step over this body and wander out of here. <laughs> I just, uh, I, can someone press five, please? <laughs> no, I just, we just, I, we got out. Everyone got out. Right. Like, very quickly. But then you were gone before the ambulance got there? Oh, yeah. I didn't want him to hang around. So like maybe this. he's not dead. No, he's dead. Oh. He was old as fuck, too. Oh. He was like. I'd probably say like 79, but this that's in 1991. Maybe Amos never came. Maybe this was a conversation. Hey, could you send an ambulance? Is the guy old as fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, then don't bother. <laughs> I had a dream girls were catching on fire last night. And I was trying to put them out, and their hair kept catching on fire. Because they're all models. And, oh my God, who's the fucking person with me? All these girls were hot, you're saying? Hot as fuck, and they're all catching on fire. And I was with someone that was a... It's a I want to say it was Chelsea Peretti, but it wasn't Chelsea Peretti. But I was, oh, it was Sarah Silverman. I was with Sarah Silverman. Oh, okay. And uh, girls were getting caught on fire, and I kept saying, I kept put, I slapped them, their hair, because their hair was, I slapped their hair to put it out, and they'd be like, you hit me. And I'm like, no, you're on fire. And Sarah saw all of it, and then one girl really caught on fire, and I ran over, and I was running, I grabbed a cup of water, and I threw it on her, and she's like, are you fucking serious? And Sarah's like, finally, was like, everyone, you've been catching on fire. Bert's been saving your lives. And then, yeah, that's. I think that dream's telling you something very specific. Was quit, it? quit bothering people when they're trying to just be on fire. <laughs> yeah. Why are you such a nuisance hitting them and throwing water on them? And why don't you call in your uh, dreams to me anymore? I fucking stopped. I, but what happens is you I, keep having them. Clearly, no. What happens is <clears throat> I have. Do you try to get really ones. high before you go to sleep? No. Uh. No. I can't do that. Take a couple hits sometime for me okay. and go to sleep, and then the next day you're going to not have any of these dreams to bore people with. I Here's the thing. I dream in chunks, and when I get good dreams, I start calling you, but after like my 10th phone call to you, my brain is aware that I'm trying to remember oh, my dreams. Oh, you're trying to make the dreams and, good. And, and, and my dreams start sucking dick, and I'm like, fuck. And then so what happened last time is <laughs> I was in like fucking Africa calling in my dreams, and I was on malaria medicine. And my dreams were, like, amazing, and then one day they just totally stopped, and I started having really boring dreams, and I was like, all right, I'm not going to call in for a while, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just let myself have some cool dreams. I'd like to hear some of these boring ones, because that's my point, is that dreams are boring. No, and <laughs> I would, I just told, uh, I'd like to hear your idea night. of a boring one, because your, your <laughs> ones that are really exciting bore me, because it's all a dream. I'll tell you a boring one I had last night. 
Otto was in the front yard. And she she threw up our remote control to our alarm and hit it with a baseball bat into our neighbor's yard. And I went over to our neighbor's yard. It was like we were like in Levittown, so I went over to the neighbor's yard and I was like, "Hey, I, I'm sorry, my daughters." And he goes, "No, they do it all the time." And they also shake my uh, my signs. And he had "Vote for Bush" signs. Uh-huh. And he goes, "They come over and they fucking shake them." And I was like, "I don't think they do." And he's like, "No, they do." And I go, "No." And he goes, they're doing it right now. And George and I are shaking his vote for Bush signs. And I was like, girls! And Isla has this problem about apologizing. She cannot apologize. So I go, Isla, come over and apologize to this guy. And she just wouldn't fucking do it. And so I sat with Isla trying to get her to apologize for like ten minutes. That was my dream. Maybe your friend that thought that the kids would enjoy Jurassic Park just noticed that... Uh, how does he, How's Isla spelled? I-L-A. I-S-L-A? I-L-A. Oh, just I-L-A. Okay. Yeah. Is Isla Fisher in it? Isla, Isla uh, Nubla or something like that is the island that it takes place on. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, well, call me back with a, you know, that, I thought that mundane dream was just as exciting as your exciting dreams. I'll, I'll just call you one so with just, some really boring ones. Which, well, you know, that one, that had interesting details. Was it a Jeb Bush sign that they no, were shaking? No, it was a uh, bush. It was like the blue and red, like, bush writing. And, like, with a blue sign, white bush, but then ro- red, like... Uh, vote. So you go back in time sometimes in your dreams? Uh, I've had dreams where I time travel before. I know you love time travel. Fucking love time travel. What's the best time travel movie? I mean, I, I obviously I'm always going to say Time Traveler's Wife. That's my favorite because I identified with it. Because I felt like that's my life. You know? My life. <laughs> I feel like the Time Traveler's Wife is the best. But then I think everyone probably agrees that Back to the Future... Is it Back to the Future 3 is the greatest movie ever? The Western one? Is it? Oh, no, maybe it's... I forget. I, I, I heard it. We were, I just heard someone, Ron Bennington, talking about it. He probably just said Back the to the Future is a pretty great fucking movie. It's great. There's a couple things I don't uh, love about it, but it holds up pretty well. And then part two is just gets starts to get so complicated with so much running around to different time periods. And then part three is like a Western. Yeah. So, uh... You know, all three of them have their fans, but uh, there's a lot of debate over which one. I, I don't. I don't think anybody out there thinks the third part's the best one. Donnie Darko is a pretty insane time travel movie. Yeah, Donnie Darko is a movie that is not really technically good, but I love it. It's uh, it's got cult status, and the guy who made it, you know, he's he's directed more movies, but he just can't seem to uh, recapture that uh, that magic. Well, just because Jake Gyllenhaal was. Was uh, was so fucking. Gyllenhaal is a beast. He was so he, fucking. Have you seen the previous for Southpaw? Uh-uh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a- he is not afraid of c- completely changing. You know, like doing all that working out and uh, box. He learned how to box, obviously. That's the th- fifth reason I could never be a movie star. Because I can never just get in shape for a role. I can't right. get in shape for life. But, you know, some actors got just sort of like, you know, Tom Hanks has never had to be, like, in shape. Yeah, we had to lose all that weight for uh, Survivor. Or not Survivor. Uh, Lost Man. Uh, you know the one. Castaway. Wilson! Yeah. Yeah, Castaway. He has to look like he's, you know... I could never do that. Emaciated. Yeah, that'd be hard. But, but he, you know, he looked normal in other parts of that movie. Like, they, they shot that movie... They took a break for oh, him. Oh, really? Yeah, they took, like, a break so that he could... Uh, Transform into a guy that had been on an island for a while. <laughs> I'd show but up. That would suck. I'd show up the exact same size, maybe bigger, and they'd be like, "All right, let's just try to write it in the story." All right, you, now, coconuts are high in uh, fat. 
that was a bad example then. Let's say uh, Danny DeVito's never had to. Uh, yeah, Danny DeVito. He's never had to get in shape for a role, I don't think. Danny DeVito, I was, I was Googling him. He's the one guy who lost his hair but grew out his sides and back, mm-hmm. and it looks cool. I guess that cool is a relative like term, it, but, but, it, but it's a good, it's a it's a look like you don't you don't think I don't think of Danny DeVito as like like caring about his hair loss. But I guess he's, he's five foot. But he also he? had that hair from Jump, like when he was Louis De Palma, or yeah. when he was the uh, you know the guy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He already had no, you know a ma- massive hair loss, so he's always you know so that's got to be a kind of a cool thing to just <laughs> you know become famous when you already. Have lost your hair Dude, and I'm just sort of go on. from there. It's like you only have one option. I look at like Jim Norton and Bob Kelly. You just shave your head, and there's and like Joe Coy. There's so many comics that have shaved heads that you all of a sudden when you lose your hair you become one of them. And then I was like, fuck it. If I if it really goes, I'm just gonna shave the top and grow out the sides and the back and like be like Danny DeVito. And, like, just have that look going for me. I can't even picture you with the sides and the back grown out, though, because you... Because it's so short. You don't ever do that, right? No, I don't. I never do that. But but I was thinking that Well, that's the my... thing a lot of guys do. They Ben Franklin it, or they, uh, you know, yeah. Grateful Dead it. They just, like, oh, I lost it on top, so I'll just grow it long. Dave Attell did that for a while. He grew, like, a ponytail. Wow, I don't... I can't picture that. I think I might be making that up. Yeah. Um... Dining with Doug and Karen. We've got a new episode. Uh, will probably come out on Monday. We're going to record it on Sunday. Have you done that show yet? Yeah, I fucking had a great meal. Oh, what we eat when you were on? I don't know. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lollipop mac and cheese. Oh, for real? I think lollipop mac and cheese is like something oh, that... Oh, goodness. Uh, Getting Doug with High also returns Monday, one uh, fifteen Pacific time. People can watch and get Who? high with me. My show, Getting Dug With High. I, no, I know. Who's on it? Oh, we, you know, the guests are always a secret. Okay, just whisper to me. <laughs> good one. Um, Jim Gaffigan? It's good three, good three guests. <laughs> yeah, oh, Gaffigan. Yeah, it's a oh, good... Oh, the Fat Boys. It's a good three-banger. They're not, they're not professionally related in any way. I think all oh. three people might be meeting for the first time. And people cancel and things get changed around. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's the toughest show to book. Do you book all this shit yourself? With that show, I have help because we want to get, like, the, you know, like, I like having big celebrities on my other podcasts, if possible, mm-hmm. but I also don't spend a lot of time pursuing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because I can just do it with my comedy friends and have a perfectly nice time. Yeah. You know, it's cool when you get somebody big in there every once in a while, but it's just, it's a lot of chasing. You know, like, I've John Lithgow did it once. And he said he'd do it again, and I've been trying to get him back, and it's been years. And he just, yeah. he's always, it's a lot of nice, very polite emails back and forth, but he's just always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and you know, he says, keep trying, and it's just like, after a while, like, well, you know. There should be one person. There's people that call me and say, hey, I'm going to be in town this week, I want to do the show, really? and then I book them. You know, they're not people I know. Yeah. yeah. You know, like having their known, I mean, having Lithgow's emails, great and all. Like, but like a lot of big names, I'm just not even going to get that close. I'm going to have to deal with their publicist or their management or whoever. And then, you know, it just becomes a whole thing that I just, I, I'm not in this because I enjoy trying to book talent. I do not like booking talent. It's That's one thing ass. I hate about my fucking podcast is getting people to do it is a fucking nightmare. Like, because then what you'll do is you'll text a bunch of people and you'll have like, uh, not offers out, but like, like invitations out. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, 
oh, fuck, I've booked them all for Friday. Like, not realize, they're like, I can do Friday, and you're like, great. And then someone goes, I can do Friday, and you're like, great. Well, that's the great thing about my show is there's a variable amount of guests I can have. I can have, like, three to five people. Yeah. Because sometimes you do have to put the offers out and then just see what comes back, and sometimes they come back all a yes, and then you're like, you know, okay, now I've got five guests, I guess, you know, because all these people say yes. I want someone to book my podcast for me. I don't want to go you know, take it back. I don't want you anymore. Yeah. But that happens sometimes. But yeah, you could get somebody to do that. You could hire somebody. Really? Yeah, or even, you know, maybe maybe somebody to do it as an internship and get uh, college credit. Yeah, but how, yeah, I guess, but then they gotta go through my phone, I guess, and use my numbers. Like, I want... Well, that's part of the problem, is, you know, that that's maybe why I don't have an assistant, is because I still don't really want everybody, somebody to have... All of my, uh, you know, passwords and Here, stuff. Here, let's do this. I'll t- I'm going to name someone famous that's in my phone, and then I'll text them and see if they can do du- Getting Dug With High for you. Oh, how about Elliot Gould? Mean? Elliot Gould. He's not going to get high on camera, that guy. What? Are you kidding? Okay. Well, text him. Text him. Will you get high on the internet with my friend Doug? <laughs> I think that is a weird text. He is a great actor, though. He's amazing. He's done a lot of good <laughs> stuff over the years. Lou Angel Wolf. Who's that? I think he's an actor. Oh, I. Uh, is he? Was he in Dances with Wolves? I don't know. Yeah. Is he an Indian? Let's see who the Indian Angel Wolf gentleman. Is. No, he's a stand-up comedian. I don't. He's from Austin. Hmm. Sounds sounds good. It's a crazy name, Angel Wolf. Like, do you think he was born with that name? I can't. I can't imagine. Um. Well, see, you're already finding out how difficult it is. That's another thing. You have, the, you have like, Elliot Gould, his name, or do you have a nickname for him in there? I have Elliot Gould. Dude, if your phone gets lost or stolen, then you're giving away that dude's phone number. Michael Ian Black. Yeah, he's done it already. Yeah. And he's doesn't, he doesn't get high. Yeah, that was an interesting one. He could smoke, but he doesn't really get that high. Yeah, well, I, I, but do you believe that? Like, I, I, I like. I think, think that he just doesn't right? enjoy it, or he just doesn't. It's just not something that he cares about. Because I've done, I've gotten him high, or tried to get him high a couple times, and he's always just like, "Yeah, it's not really doing anything to me. It's not my thing." And he and he remains reasonably, you know, similarly intelligent to be, before he got high. So yeah. I just think he's just it's not for him, but. I'm glad he came on and smoked anyway. That was a good you know? episode. I like. I like. Is there I, a Proops who always Proops could smoke a ton and doesn't see, doesn't really change him that much? You know, the Jim Jeffries one was good because and so, same with uh, the Sam Tripoli and Ellis one. Well, thank you for helping me promote that. Let's move on to my next project. Wednesday night at Cine Family in L.A. I'm doing a interruption of the most recent Cinderella. What? Cinderella? Did your uh, daughters make you see that? No. Uh, it was directed by Kenneth Branagh and starred uh, Kate Blanchett as the uh, evil queen or whatever. No, I didn't see it. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. I don't know. It was just a few months ago. Oh no, we didn't see it. So, but now it's you know been out long enough that we can uh, we can snag a copy of it for a reasonable price. So wait, what do you? So what's the? Is that that who are you with on that one? The guests are always a surprise, oh, but fuck. Um, <laughs> it's Wednesday night and uh, it'll be me and three other people sitting with mics in the front row. Watching, I haven't seen it, so I don't. I've heard it's pretty good. Can can can? Oh, there's a TV show I want to do that's I, that's very similar to that. But um, but can we do it? Can we do it on your podcast and then maybe a guest too? 
I want to do a show called Black People Watching Movies, and I and I just want like real like Corey Holcomb, like fucking like uh, like <clears throat> Donnell Rollins, and I want him to watch stuff like Devil in the Boot, Blue Dress, like something like there's a like a straight up black guy movie where Denzel's a pimp. Uh, yeah, there'd be more fun movies to do that with The Devil in a Blue Dress. It's pretty. Menace to Society. It's a pretty straight up drama. Or I just meant other Denzel movies. Yeah. And Menace to Society is a little, uh, a little frightening for uh, for a comedy treatment. But I get where you're going with this, and uh, I, I've had lots of you know black comedian friends uh, involved in the interruption, and uh, they do. It is funny how much the joke has to come up that they, they yeah. you know, I can't believe you gave a microphone to a black guy at the movies. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we've had, uh, I mean, not to just sit here and list off black guys, but, you know, W. Kamau Bell has done it. Yeah, but nobody. Kevin Avery and and um, uh, Mario Joyner did it one oh, time. Oh, Mario Joyner would be good. Yeah, but that's a that's, but like, a, that's a fun idea you have there that you're not going to be able to get on any network. No one will. I already pitched it and yeah, no one wanted nobody, to mess with it. Your ideas are the worst. They're, 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 <laughs> the, they're the best worst. I got, I was like, I was like. Where were you pitching? I, I heard you on something pitching your ideas recently. Where? Maybe Opie? Were you on Opie telling Pro- you your, your oh, great prob- ideas? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. I just think that would be funny as shit. Just like, but like real hood motherfuckers. Not in the fan Corey Holcomb's hood, but he's a real motherfucker. Yeah, he, all those guys. Any any professional comedian is pretty hilarious at interrupting movies. And then did you hear the story about like Corey Holcomb fighting? Murderers row of black. What? Did you hear the story about Corey Holcomb fighting in DC Improv? No. Oh, how recently good. did this? It was happen? Like a week ago. No. Yeah, it was great. It was fucking great. By the way, Corey Holcomb's like my favorite new person to have discovered, rediscovered. Like I saw him on Last Comic Standing, but I didn't understand how fucking hardcore, honest this motherfucker is. Like, he is, so there's a girl in the audience, and she's just being loud, and Corey's just, like, he's fucking with her, and he's just saying shit to her, and the crowd starts saying shit, and she's with her dad, and her dad's older, and her dad starts talking shit, and everyone's, like, fucking, I'm fucking this story up, I'm sure I'm not saying it right, what really happened, because I heard, like, three different versions last night, but everyone's attacking the girl, and the dad stands up, and then they're ruining the show, Corey's done, like, an hour, and he, like, looks, he's watching, he goes, Fuck this. I'm from Chicago. And he throws his chain in his shirt and hops off the stage and beats the guy up. What? <laughs> I love when you can't even tell your own story. Oh, and it's like... Fucking, so what? He jumped off the stage and beat up a guy? He jumped off the stage and a fucking melee broke out and fucking... I guess... I, I guess they they ripped off Corey's chain. Like, Are chain. there lawsuits and stuff happening? No, no. That's the cool thing about... Like, this is what uh, Melba was telling me. She's like, and Melba's African-American. Um, Melba's like, that's the cool thing about, she's like, uh, our culture is that no one's, like, fucking calling the cops or suing anyone. It's just, it was a fight. It broke out, and everyone went home, and Corey took pictures with fans. Wow. I, I thought that was crazy. Well, the end of the show. That's the end of the show. He just went out, and he's like, all right, I'm taking pictures now. <laughs> and she goes, "Whatever, whoever hit, Corey didn't hit the guy. Someone else hit the guy. First, oh. and uh, and 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 he, she said, "Whoever hit the guy, fucking knocked him into yesterday. Like fucking, like his wallet came out. Like he got fucking laid out. Corey didn't the one that punched him. I don't think. Yeah, that all sounds a little. Uh, I don't know. Because he if don't everyone lie. really did go home, and that's the end of it, and uh, good for everybody. But if a guy gets hit that hard, you think there'd be somebody's going to get sued or something." 
Uh, Thursday, I'm going to be at uh, Acme in Minneapolis. You played there? Uh, I did. I have before. Good place, right? I play uh, the other club in Minnesota now. Oh, over at the Mall of America? Yeah, Mall of America. That's cool. If you like malls in America. Uh, then Friday, we're doing Douglas Movies at the Women's Club of Minneapolis. It's a nice space that uh, I did it last year there. Do you have to have all women on the show? No. no it's just a women's club. It's just oh. a facility is named that, but it's just a... Here's the fight. I would love to just have women on the show. Those They're harder to book. Here's the fight. You're going to show it to me? Yeah. On my podcast? I love how it starts with a still of Corey. That's Corey's wearing the hat. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, when you say melee, it's more like just a bunch of people kind of shoving and yeah, Corey's like, oh, my chains. And then he way, provided the video. <laughs> Corey provided the video. He's the one that put the video on. Video courtesy of hashtag Corey Holcomb. I fucking like, love Corey Holcomb. It didn't look like much of anything was happening other than just everyone being like, what? I fucking love Corey Holcomb. Uh, Denver, this is fun. My new movie is going to be on VOD. It's called Chronicon. It's going to be on VOD on July 3rd. And, uh, you know, I can't be everywhere, but I could be in one place. So I'm going to be in Denver that night, and we're going to do a midnight screening of the movie with a Q&A at the uh, Alamo Draft House in Littleton. And um, it'll be, like, my first time seeing it, like, with an audience in a theater. Oh, that'll be great. And I hope to, you know, show it a few more times that way, but, you know, people can pre-order it on iTunes now if they want. And it's all just in time for this year's Comic-Con in San Diego, because I feel like people who can't make it to Comic-Con might enjoy watching a movie about me fucking around at Comic-Con, uh, you know, as a, you know, make them feel better about not being Oh, so there. the whole movie's you, you at Comic-Con? It's just me at Comic-Con, like, doing the kinds of things I do, like, do, doing some stand-up and uh, doing a Doug Lowe's movies and... Uh, oh, really? Hanging out with, like, uh, I hang out with Red Band and the Shafir and Rogan at one point, uh, just in downtown San Diego, which you know how yep. crazy that is, just walking around Holy during shit. Comic-Con, people in their costumes and stuff. Did you know you were going to hang out with them, or did it just happen that way? Just happened that way. I mean, you know, I call, I knew Brian Redband was in town with Joe doing shows at the American Comedy yeah, Company. Yeah, I was supposed to go down and do shows down there. Yeah, so I said, I'll, uh, I'll uh, jump in and do a set or whatever and hang out with you guys. And we're hanging out in the green room, and of course, the guy that runs American Comedy Company, he comes by and acts silly and has some investors he wants us to meet. And one of them comes in and immediately drops a bottle, and Joe Rogan's just making fun of him. <laughs> it was pretty fun. But, like, uh, Morgan Spurlock's in it, Kevin Smith, Brian Posehn, Patton Oswalt, just the kinds of people that I run into at Comic-Con. And I want to get Patton Oswalt on my podcast. Do you think he'd do my podcast? I think he would love doing it, but I also think that, you know, it's tough to get him to do anything because he's so fucking busy. Yeah. You know, like, I like watch my favorite shows, Veep and Justified, like, he'll just show up on them. I even, you know, I'm friends with the guy, and I don't even know what that he's on these things. You told me, like, when you did my podcast, you talked about how great Veep is. Yeah. And uh, that night I go in. I'm, uh, that night I walked in. Leanne's watching Veep. She's like, this show's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and I was like, Doug just talked about it. She goes, this is maybe the best show on television. She goes, I'm fucking losing my mind. Apparently they, they, there was the, the fucking guy who lives in my neighborhood is the guy. He was on Getting Doug With High. Um, the guy, he was one of the UCB founding members. Yeah, Matt Walsh. Yeah, he's got great calves. He's got fucking powerful calves. Well, that's but, interesting. I got a picture of him a long time ago. I didn't know it was him. He was his kids went to my school. Went to our school, or maybe not. Maybe they just lived in the neighborhood. 
but he was um, he was on Fourth of July every year. We, everyone in the neighborhood gets their bikes, dresses their bikes up with like you know like they're married type thing, like just sparklers or whatever. And then everyone rides their bikes in the neighborhood and ends up at the park. And there's a big cookout at the park. And Matt lives in my neighborhood, and I saw his calf. And, it, and he was on a kid's bike, and I was like, that fucking calf is huge. And I took a picture of his calf. Like, I was like, and then I, and then I, looking through the pictures, and I, when I saw the picture, I went, that's so funny, I didn't notice the calf originally. I went, why did I have a picture of fucking the guy from, from Dog Bites Man? And then I was like, that, how do I have a picture of the guy from Dog Bites Man? And then I realized, oh, that's his calf. Then I saw him at Marie I see our, the uh, coffee shop. And I go, dude, I got a great picture of your calf. I don't... I'm, this could easily be one of your dreams. <laughs> this could easily have never happened. <laughs> yeah. But he's fucking great. There was a thing he didn't beep. I forget the thing, but... He's so funny. Like, one time when she won the Best Actress or whatever, she had him come out and do a bit where, like, he brought her, like, a... You know, he had stu- her speech in his pocket, but instead he had a sandwich in his pocket instead of her speech. <laughs> like, like Julie Louis-Dreyfus, I probably said this before on your podcast, like, when she's on award shows and shit, she always does hilarious yeah. stuff. She's great. She's, what? she's my hero. So why were we talking about Matt Walsh's calves? I have no fucking idea. You saw Matt Walsh somewhere. He, did he start UCB? Yeah, he's one of the four founders with Amy Poehler, Matt Besser, and Ian Roberts. Wait, Okay. Scott Aukerman, <laughs> I, Scott Aukerman didn't start UCB? Nuh-uh. No, UCB is a long-time thing in New York, and then they opened up an L.A. one, and that's when, when that opened is when Scott started doing uh, Comedy Death Ray, which then became Comedy Bang Bang, and then became not a thing other than the TV show and the podcast. With Reggie Watts. But it used to be a weekly stand-up comedy showcase with lots of sketch. Oh. Yeah, Reggie Watts was just on the TV show. The, the 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 weekly show at first was hosted by Scott and his partner, BJ Porter, and then eventually it was just Scott, and then and then Scott just started booking other people to host it. See, I like to have Scott Ackerman on my podcast. I'd like to talk to that guy about his, like his, I, I, that. See, that's like someone I don't know anything about. Like even like Matt Walsh, Amy Poehler. I mean, I know of Amy Poehler because of the TV shows. I don't know anything about them, but they're they've been in comedy longer than I have, and just have been on a totally different path like so fucking different that i couldn't you wouldn't th- you wouldn't think we were in the same profession like i don't know one booker they I know think that about you often <laughs> but like I, I find those guys all like really interesting it's a different world but they're like you know everything kind of crosses over and stuff and like uh you know none of them have started doing stand-up but they all could if they wanted to you know yeah. like because that's a that's kind of an interesting thing is some people will just get, get a little bit of uh Notoriety, and even though stand-up wasn't always their thing, they could figure out how to do it and do it. And I'll give you an example, which would be uh, Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. He's doing stand-up now. Yeah, that he's got a, like a special or two under his belt. I think at least one. Are you fucking kidding yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. You know what's really interesting? When I worked the door at Boston Comedy Club um, one night, Scott Thompson, not Carrot Top, the other one. Uh-huh. Um, came in to do stand-up. He was working on stand-up. He wanted to do an hour special or something. Uh-huh. And so all the kids in the hall came to watch him. Like, they all came to support him. And Dave Foley, and, and I was a massive news radio fan. Like, that show I discovered on A&E, like, well after it had been canceled, and I fucking became obsessed with it. So I'm sitting in the hallway, and I'm talking to Dave Foley, and I'm like, dude, are you going to get up and do stand-up? And he's like, I don't do stand-up. And I was like, you could totally do stand-up. And he's like... No, uh, it's not. I never have done it. I don't think I can do it. I was like, trust me. If I can do it, you can do it. 
And he was like, I don't know. So then he goes up on stage to try doing stand-up, and he really couldn't do it. Like, he did not know what to say. (laughs) Well, yeah, if you just get up and try to do it, you got to prepare. Yeah, he was like, okay. And he was like, I don't... But he's famous, so he's like, don't know what to say. And everyone laughs, and he's like, okay, still don't know what to say. And then they're, like, kind of laughing. But his... uh, He lives in our neighborhood, too. Yeah, and he's, uh, you know, he went out... I think part of it was, you know, how he had, like, a lot of financial issues because of a divorce. Crazy ex-fucking wife he had. Yeah, so he, uh, I think that's part of it, is he figured out that he could just sell himself as a, you know, he could just go out and be a comedian and sell tickets and make make some money. It's got to be tough to go from... It's got to be tough to go, to be immersed in this, what could be arguably depressing life immediately. Like, to just go from, like... Like, I look at, Tom, like, Tom Green's doing stand-up, and I watch him on uh, Periscope, and it's, like, it's Tom Green by himself a lot, but, like, he went from, like, TV to, like, to this life. It, this life is kind of, like, it's, like, a, I feel like it's a step back for everybody, but when you start in it, you never look at it as a step back, you just look at it as your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I You know, I get, I meet people from time to time who uh, are, like, have perfectly good acting careers, comedy careers, whatever, and then they'll still, I guess it's true of all of us, but they'll still be like, how do you get such a, you know, how do you get this podcast thing going? It seems to be really working out good for you. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's just another thing that I was doing, and then, it, you know, podcasting sort of popped. I mean, it's still a big, it's still a niche market, you know. Travel like, Channel wants to start a podcast now. They listen to us talk about roller coasters for an hour. Oh and they're my like, god! Are you fucking kidding me? You, Did you like, see the tweets from people who were like, "You guys talked about roller coasters for too long." <laughs> Did you see the tweets? Did you see? <laughs> it the was tweets? both. There was a little bit of both. Did you see the tweets where I said, "I go listen, <laughs> enough of the horse shit. The coasters are never going to crash." And then there was a crash in the right, UK right. that yeah. fucking day. Yeah. No. Then we got a bunch of uh, <laughs> yeah, a bunch of tweets of like, "Oh yeah, well look at this." But it's like you know, I wrote back to some of the people and some I didn't. But it's like. That's so anecdotal. That's like, you know, that's like that awful train crash that happened a while back, like making people go, well, I'm not going on trains. That happens. Yeah. Like, say, no, that happened, but the next horrible thing is it's also going to catch those people by off guard. Yeah. You know, like you're going to go to Jurassic World, you're having a perfectly nice time, and then a pterodactyl just picks you up out of the crowd and just throws you to your death. Maybe chops part of you off. No. Not even getting to say goodbye to anybody. Just, oh, fuck, I'm out of here. Yeah, you want a nice, slow, like, laying in a hospital bed goodbye. So Jurassic World is movie number 110 of my 365 movies in 365 days. I'm trying to see 365 movies by uh, midnight on December 31st. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, and they have to all be movies I haven't seen before. And I also don't want to watch a bunch of shitty movies, so it's interesting. I'm like, you know, kind of trying to find movies I haven't seen from the past that uh, 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 everybody says is great, and I just never got around to seeing seen, it. Have you seen Draft Day? Yeah. I fucking love that movie. Why? I've watched it a hundred times, Are you probably. like, finally, a sports movie with barely any, you know, no sports. <laughs> I, I just... This has even less sports than Moneyball had in it. I think it's Kevin Costner. Anything with Kevin Costner, I can watch the whole thing all the time. He's a, he's a, manages to be fairly compelling, and, 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 you know, even though he hasn't had much of a directing career past Dance with the Wolves, having done that, having made that movie and won an Oscar for directing and, and Best Picture. Dancing with Wolves is a fucking great movie. I, I think I'd be bored if I went back and watched it now, but that's that's just because I, I've, you know, seen, you know, so much. Yeah. And it, you know, I, I think that 
I think that any reasonable film fan, it's hard to argue that uh, it, it should have won Best Picture over Goodfellas. Oh, yeah, which Goodfellas is what happened. Is, Goodfellas is such a better picture. Yeah. Good, so, Goodfellas stands up to this day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, but that being said, Costner still is only going to act and uh, you know participate in movies where, first of all, everyone involved probably kind of listens to him and respects him. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have to just do what they tell him to do. And he also... You know, he does seem to have a pretty good grasp of, like, the importance of a good story and a beginning, middle of it, and end, and all that. Because it's hard, like, draft day, even though I was kind of bored by it, it's yeah. hard not, when it's over, to be, like, really happy for him that he was able to figure out how to trick everybody into, you know, getting the team that he wanted. I want my number ones <laughs> back, and I want David <laughs> yeah. fucking Putney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All that shit's, it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's kind of an old-fashioned movie, though. It is. Uh, but I could see... I saw some uh, Doug like movies it. fans at uh, at the Nando's Chicken, and I walked in, and they're like, grab our name tags. I went, I didn't know what they were talking about. And then I went and ate, and I came back, and they're like, you are on Doug Loves Movies today, right? And I was like, what? And they're like, and I, was, yeah, I thought they were they talking. They figure it out. And I was like, oh. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like, that dick lied to us. <laughs> but they really... Uh, that's the thing, is the name tag selection, that's part of the reason, I mean, there's several reasons why I keep the guests a secret, but that's a really big one, is that um, people will just name, make name tags that suck up to the people they think are coming. Oh, that's why you do and, it. And uh, so, well, the biggest reason is because, because guests cancel. And I know that if I go to see something, like if I go to see a Broadway show, and they go, the part of Blah Blah is going to be played by Blee Blee. They tell you at the very last minute, and then you just have to sit there with that disappointment through the entire show. Yeah. And depending on how big a name it was or how important it was to see that person. Like, I was walking by uh, the yeah. theater that was showing um, uh, The Gentleman's, uh, Gentleman's Guide to Murder. And uh, that show, the lead actor won the Tony for it. His name's Jefferson Mays. And he plays eight different characters through the course of the show. I haven't seen the show, but I know that if I were going that day where they have a sign outside the theater that says Jefferson Mays is not in it today, I'd be, I'd be like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> Shut her down. Like, why are you still doing it? But it's supposedly a great show, and there's probably the understudy's probably fine. Yeah. But it's still like, like the I saw Wicked, and Ellen, Christian uh, uh, Chenoweth wasn't in it the day I saw it. And that was, oh, that was a bummer. that. But the girl, that, the girl that did it, her understudy doesn't. They do a, a really good impression of the of the character and the performance. Yeah. So it's still enjoyable. But you're just sitting there going, "I paid all this money. I'd like to see the famous person. I didn't or the know person that, that won the uh, award or whatever. I didn't know that Josh Gad was in um, Book of Book Mormon. Mormons because I saw him in Book of Mormons, and I feel like he's familiar. You know what I thought he was on? This is going to sound so stupid. I thought he was on Guy Code. Right. Is there there's a guy that looks like Josh Gad that does like an MTV show. Yeah. And and I thought that's who he was. I think I, was I know like, who you're talking about. And I was like that's I go wow, well good for him. He, I that guy code did this. That's a big leap. And then I was like and he's really talented and he's like he's been in like uh smaller roles in movies for best, you, for best, years. Yeah, the the fucking Ke- movie he did with Kevin Hart was actually pretty good. Right, but that's recent. I'm talking yeah. about he's been in, he's been in movies for at least a decade. Yeah. Like, you know, just playing, like, the nerdy friend and stuff. Yeah. Um, I wish I could do that. And he's, and he's always pretty good, And uh, but he was great in Book of Mormon, and, uh, yeah. Maybe I'll try to do some more plays. 
branch You'll just out. try to do some plays? Yeah, do some plays. Just, hey, I want to do a play. I'm going to do a play. I want to get the word out that I, I I don't care if I I don't have to sing and dance in it, but I just I want to I think I want to be in a Broadway musical before I die, and I can't really sing and dance, so it'd be good for them to you know like there's a show called The Drowsy Chaperone that the guy who wrote the show and and did the choreography too I think he would play he plays the narrator in it a guy sitting there with a book with funny lines just talking about things that are happening in the show yeah and. Uh, when he stopped doing it for what, or they wanted to like get a, you know, after the show had been playing for a while, you know how they insert famous names into shows just yeah. to give them a, a boost and try to keep them going. Yeah. In this case, uh, they had Saget, Bob Saget, played that guy's part for a while. Really. The narrator, and he doesn't have to sing and dance, but he gets to be in a musical. So I'm trying to put the word out that I want the same sort of thing. Also, I'm not as famous as Bob Saget, so I won't necessarily sell that many tickets <laughs> but at least I sell some I sell a couple yeah so uh, you know put me in your Broadway show if you're listening to this maybe I'll write a musical yeah write one a musical give me a part in it where I don't have to say or where I talk sing you know like this is a mighty fine establishment that kind of thing is this you have to write the music for a musical too right who does? The guy who writes the musical. You can't just write. No, that's, write, that's and then you walk in the room and then insert song no, here. That's why you. That's why you hear the expression "book by so and so" and "music and lyrics by so and so and so and so." Is you just can write the story and you get somebody else to not only write the songs but also to write lyrics in those songs that move the story forward or tell make a point that you're trying to make at, at any given I wanna write juncture. A, I want to write a musical about a bunch of terrorists who take a cruise ship hostage. And it's a musical. It's a musical. That sounds really fun. Yeah. Good Order. idea. But then they sing their music in, in uh, Islam, Islamic, in uh, Arabic. All right, we got to go. Okay. We got to go do Douglas, the Douglas movies that you're not going to be on. I'm not going to be on it. We have to go do that now. And um, you can't cancel on me because now people will be I'm putting on jeans. Upset. I'm going to my legs off. All right, I'm going to wrap up the show while you go off into the other room there. When I got here, you know, Bert announced that he had just had horrible diarrhea, and uh, and I had to use the bathroom, and I went in there, and it, it, it truly was horrible. There's shit everywhere in there, you know. All right, he's hosing off or something. Um, as always, <laughs> thanks for listening to this extra long mini, and as always, terrorism is a shithead. Before you know, listen for the dates that bring a name tag to the show. He would let him alternate in the game named after him, made it funny that he's played it. Do I talk singing?